and we are going live. Checking connection. Um, and I'm live now. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Good afternoon. BC here. I'm so sorry I'm tardy. As you can see, there's some wonderful things happening behind me. Uh, my very good friend AJ right in front of me. No pressure there. He's a gentleman who helped me learn and become a better driver. Yes, I drag race for years, but road racing, I was just pointing and stabbing, and he taught me that fast is slow. Think about that. Fast and smooth is, is actually... Slow and smooth is fast. There you go. Sorry. See, that's, he, give me pressure here. Hello, Pony Red. Greetings, Jay Pizzle. Sorry, Jesus. Good seeing you as well. Hello, Eparse24. Always good seeing you. Greetings, Briggy. Hello. Arlen. Or Arlen, better yet. Good afternoon. What's up, West Ghost R? Good seeing you indeed. Oh, um, see October 15th indeed, CT2 Designs. Dip and Deep, thanks for joining indeed. And guys, I'm here back there, my friends from Action, and they brought a whole crew here, and they were curious about comparing a particular oil with the initial T versus Purell. And they saw some amazing gains on a 9th Gen Civic SI, which is fantastic. Hello, King Gromag. Good seeing you. Bridgy, got it. Thank you so much. Dip and Deep, good afternoon. Long time no see. The format is bad. It does. I'm so sorry. Let me know what's going on here. For me, it looks like I can see all of you guys clearly, which is great. But I appreciate all of you joining me this afternoon. And for those of you on YouTube, yes, I'm on YouTube. Thank you for allowing me to use this opportunity as an archiving moment for all my Tech Tuesdays. As you can see, I have quite a few vehicles behind me here, which is pretty amazing. And for those of you, if you don't follow me on YouTube, please do subscribe and hit that notification bell button so that every time I put up something, you get notified and can come see some madness going here, you know? Yes, machine, Guihar, absolutely. And the car, I guess I'm letting the cat out of the bag. Same weight to same weight, even with a temperature that wasn't in Purell's favor, gained 78 wheel horsepower, which is amazing, you know? Thank you so much, Brigi. Appreciate the kind words. Great to hear you or see you as well, Uyparse. J. Ken, I am fantastic. And today, I really promise to talk about something. And it has to do with spark plugs. Spark plugs on YouTube, spark plugs. Now, this is a nice new one. It's the BK series, BKR series from NGK. And slight projection there. I really like iridiums a lot. Because when I used to do a lot of drag racing before I met AJ, <laughs> I used a lot of copper. And I noticed with my high compression, because I was running 18 to 1, 18.4 to 1 compression, I noticed that when I was racing, I would erode my electrode very easily. But with the iridiums, not only did it have a finer point that allows the kernel to form very nicely and allow me to have a better combustion and more power, but it didn't erode. I can go through an entire event, if not two, sometimes three, with the same spark plugs. Now, the key thing about these plugs and keeping them happy and doing their job is not to have it coated with rubbish, right? Um, I'm doing well, Zam. I hope you're doing great as well. Yo, 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 Tyrell Williams, talking about some plugs here. Um, so the one way to keep these running in tip-top shape is to have the electrode clean, which itself cleans with heat and all that fun stuff. And also, you have the different heat ranges, so you want to stay within the heat range where the, the spark club plug can keep detonation at bay, but also self-clean properly. So the harder the plug, the deeper this center white electrode goes into and meets with the surface. The colder the plug is, the shorter that distance is, so it dissipates that portion heat to the spark plug or to the head very easily, which is great. 
So, that being said, hello, Pocket Lover Zach. Good seeing you. Hello, Real Red for you, too. Good seeing you as well, as always. Haven't seen you in events because we haven't had any events. Now, there's one thing that some individuals do tend to recommend, and that is Octane Boosters. So I've never been a fan of Octane Boosters, not because they tend to have some small negative effect on catalysts, but because the commercially available Octane Boosters tend to have a lot of manganese. And that manganese does funny things to your plugs. It makes it look like this. So you see that? You too? See that? that. This is about 200 miles on an octane booster recommended by a facility, a shop out in Orange County. And as you look at this, this causes a lot of misfire because you can see this manganese, this bronze, kind of reddish brown coating, doesn't do a very good job in allowing for self-cleaning or even electrode contact, you know, and the electrode being able to do its job properly. Hello, Shell, good seeing you indeed. So that being said, um, Zam wants to take his EM43M3 to, I can help you with that, by all means. I can definitely do that for you. So, this is what things should look like, even when you race, after a while, even AJ, when he races, he pulls his plug, he looks close to this. It doesn't look like this. Okay, it shouldn't. And why is that the case? Because manganese allows for a high concentration of the compound to allow you to slow down the burn of a fuel and have it behave like a higher octane fuel. There are other ways to do that. You can um, use toluene, tetraethyl lead, um, benzene, known carcinogen. <laughs> all those things are very good anti-knock agents. Um, some are, a lot, almost all of them are carcinogenic, but you need to add such high volumes to be able to get to a decent amount of uh, anti-knock properties. So manganese, with a small amount, you can really go to town, but this is not fun, and misfiring is not fun. So nowadays, at least we live in a realm where we have access to ECU systems and E85 and all that fun stuff, so we can have our cake and eat it too without experiencing misfires like this and ugly, nasty plugs that you have to change so often. So, just my take on that, you know? Raysham says his has oil, sadly. That's not a good deal, not good at all. So your engine must be a poor health. You know what's even crazier with oil being in your combustion chamber? It actually reduces the octane rating of your fuel that's being ingested. So, your combustion chamber has no idea what's going on, but oil is a horrible, octane agent. <laughs> it can burn, but it has horrible octane capability. So it dilutes your octane capability and has your combustion chamber with 91 feel like it's in 78 or 82 or something that's not optimal, which is not good, you know? Deep and Deep asks, have you ever used brisk plugs? Yes, I have. So I used to have this account. I don't think AJ even knows this. I used to have this account called TRD for a while. And something very interesting happened. Um, they had a dyno. Um, out in the South Bay area, and when Toyota started getting into a lot of NASCAR, the dinos were just taken up. So they had other smaller divisions that still needed dino sessions, so they rented my facility, which I was very, very pleased, and they paid me very well. They'll pay for my dino sessions every hour on the hour for a whole week and barely use it. It was great, but I was in Pomona, and it wasn't a very um, appealing location. I had a lot of... Um, comfort women walking around my complex. So one of the engineers said to me that she would not come back if these people keep hanging around my facility. And it wasn't me, it's just I was in a bad area. So I lost that count after that, because they didn't come back even after I moved to Chino. But anyway, I digress. They brought big bricks, uh, they played with brisk uh, plugs. And I got to meet Martin, at, uh, who's a proprietor here in the United States at PRI and SEMA. And it actually was pretty good. I actually liked the plugs, you know. It was just kind of harder to get. Um, 
But NGK, I just love their quality control and the ease of being able to find them. So I've been using that quite a bit, you know? Um, valve stem seals leaking could be one thing. It could be a lot of things that can cause leaking. So a leak down will tell you a lot. Also, if you look in the port, it can tell you. So it's hard to see on the intake side because the intake can really get washed away from, unless you're direct injection, but the intake can easily be washed away from the port injection that's going in there. On exhaust, if you pull up the exhaust manifold or the header, you can see a stream of oil coming from the guide, and he knows it's on the exhaust side. Um, but if you do a leak down, that will really tell you what's going on. If you open your valve cover and you hear this coming out, oh, guess what is coming from the crankcase, and yeah, something's going on there. Um, also, if it's a high mileage engine, many times, yeah, your guides could be poor and your seals could be bad. And if you use rubbish oil and you weren't changing it often, it could also deteriorate your seals as well. So it requires some inspection, but it's not good for your engine at all. At all. What do you think of dual injectors for higher horsepower comfortability as daily driving? So I'm a huge advocate of stage injection. Not because of daily driving or trying to find a very clever way of getting good drivability, because with the, with the coil drivers we have nowadays and the coils that exist in modern day, let's say EV14-based injectors from Bosch, we can get a decent idle even with large injectors. So that's not a challenge. But for me, I learned something years ago, which AJ probably already knows. See, I'm just referring him because he's looking at me. I noticed, I did an experiment while in college, I may have shared this story with some of you before, that almost got me expelled. I didn't understand why if I had my D-series in a Civic or a CRX, why is it that when I went to carburetors, even with a similar cross-sectional area, why did I pick up almost 12% power? I didn't get it. So I did this experiment in, in lab. I did not use fuel. I used a saline solution. I initiated a spray pattern that you typically would see in a clear tube with an injector by pulsing the injector properly, using a 12-volt source and a pulse width modulation for the injector. And I sprayed in a tube, and I saw the spray pattern of injectors that we had back then. And it looked like a standard injector from the 90s. Then I simulated something very similar with uh, a carburetor, with a Weber, or Mukuni, I should say. Had a tube, had a vacuum, and then initiated that atomization that a carburetor would do. And it looked like a cloud. And then it hit me that the atomization plays a huge role in being able to burn a fuel and not get it to absorb heat that should be doing work on the piston by the globlets itself of the fuel. But something else I also noticed, the farther back we put injector, the finer the mist. So, as injector technology continued to improve, it was little wonder that the guys in F1 always did stage injection. And as far back as 2008, with Kinsler, we did the experiment where even though Kinsler didn't want to do it, because he said it's dangerous to have Heavy overlap camshafts with an ejector that's far away, it can bring fire with it and cause a big problem, obviously. But I let him know that I was using a Series 1, <laughs> but allowed me to use closer injectors for low RPM ranges, and in the higher RPM range where I don't have that weird reversion happen, I can then wean off the primary and wean in the secondary. And do you know on my, then I was making about 320 wheel, do you know I gained almost 20 wheel horsepower by just staging it. Yes, atomization made that bigger role, played that bigger role in me making power in that setup. Now you had to phase it properly, okay, but it's amazing. So long answer to a short question, I'm in love with stage injection. But not for the reasons you mentioned, more for efficiency and power.
Boosted GD3 for me says, with your turbo fit build, did you use the factory PVC or any additional vent hose to the block or valve cover with a breather can? Yes. So I vented to atmosphere. I did not use the factory stuff. I totally vented to atmosphere using catch can as a source of trapping all my vapors. I went with 1,000 IDs and 1,700 SEs for the stage two. That's, that's good, you can do that. And a lot of people do that because they want the drivability. It does add complexity, it really does. I know how much my manifold cost me when I was experimenting, but um, nonetheless, it can be quite enjoyable. In the drag race scene, a lot of people do that if they're fuel limited. There are ways around it, but um, yeah, if you need requirement for more than 2,400 cc's, yeah, stage injection would be a good way to go to allow for that. But I don't think with today's technology that I have to use stage injection just for the means of getting a better idle. Those days are past us. We no longer have older Lucas-based injectors or Rochesters. We don't have those anymore. You can buy them, but they're not as popular because the coils just really sucked. It wasn't a very responsive coil mechanism inside those injectors. Higgy said, Higgy gets jiggy, <laughs> cool name, says, optimize makes the phase change. Much easier, increasing surface area with finer droplets, absolutely. You know what happens when you have larger droplets or globules in your combustion chamber? The heat of combustion you create gets absorbed by those. And you know what ends up happening? The cranial piston sees less energy, which translates to less mechanical energy at the crankshaft, which puts less power to the ground for you. I know it's very crude and simple, but that's what actually happens, you know? I get good mileage on my S2K. Keep up the good work, BC says S2 Kevs, my pleasure indeed. Oh, look at them waving back there. I just saw them, see, being naughty. But they're pulling the SI off the, off the dyno right now without my help. If we hear any crashing, then you know what's going on behind me. Hello, SK1207. Good seeing you indeed. Thank you for joining me on my 152nd BCMO Tech Tuesday. Unfailingly, week after week after week, where they, I just clapping, whether it fell on a birthday, an anniversary, on Christmas, on the birth of my son, whatever the case may be, I am here with you guys. Being that person that I needed when I was younger. When I was younger, I didn't have AJ, I didn't know him. I wish I did, we would have done wonderful things together. Chemies suck, they don't really do any formal essay. I would have fun with you in college. And guess what, I didn't have that, so I'm trying to be that person I needed and bring down technology to you, all of you, to benefit from, share everything I know, because next year I'll know even more. I just love it. Um, ha, do you, have you seen the AI car? There are a lot of artificial intelligence vehicles that the OEMs are playing with. Um, actually, Toyota again. Um, two years ago, as far back as two years ago, I participated in a demo um, using AI technology incorporated with um, EV and autonomous driving um, with Toyota at CES, and it, was, it blew my mind, it scared me. And I'll tell you how clever this was. All I had to do was sit in this vehicle that Toyota put together, and they showed different, it's so weird, my friend James with me, my younger brother, and my good friend, also an engineer, we're all just together. But I was a driver, and it showed me different scenery. Based upon my pupil dilation and my facial expression, it knew that I hated to go shopping, and I loved driving in corners, and I hated menial tasks just to drive to somewhere. So in this AI demo, it allowed me to drive somewhere to pick up groceries and to get clothing, and I didn't have to touch the screen. And then when it came to a winding road, it gave me the controls. How crazy is that? That's how bananas things are. The future is really bright, it really is cool. So I can do work, interact with you guys while the vehicle, this Toyota is taking me to get groceries or whatever, whatnot. And then a bot will bring it out to me, it's already paid for. And then when I get to a winding road, let's say 
somewhere, let's say the ACR or Mount Body. It says, okay, BC, you're approaching around the world, take over the controls. I take over and boom, that's it. It's great. Kovoda is saying, BC is filming in front of the roles without posting any updates to it. Has it taught you anything interesting lessons in NVH engineering? No, because it hasn't moved. See that? That's a car that's here to get EV'd. In the corner over there, behind that, another car to get EV'd. In the corner there, vehicle to get EV'd. Right one over there, vehicle to get EV'd. This, unfortunately, is my own in-house project, and I, unfortunately, customers first. I'm a vast second. So that's why. Hello, Icebuck Customs Lorenzo. Good seeing you. Lorenzo actually does a smashing job with airbag. He did a Mercedes-Benz for one of my clients, and the client loves it so much. It's amazing, you know? Mike hates that I don't use cruise control, says Railroad. <laughs> I cannot take my foot off the gas no matter how, where I drive. I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. But you know what? Things are about to get exciting. It's, it's, really, it's really cool. It's really cool. And it's, the fact that you love driving, that's amazing. We should do more, you know? Um, All by Ringer says, asking, do we have internships with opportunity? Yes, we do from time to time. So send a resume to lab at bcmo.com. And if you have what it takes, maybe you'll be able to intern here. And if we love you, bring you on board. Or in normal, in normal circumstances, OEMs grab my interns all the time. Hyundai grabbed like four of them. And then General Atomics grabbed another two. I don't mind. It's good. It's good. Nate Petty, fan of my work. I appreciate the kind words. Thank you so much, sir. Yeah, lots of EV conversions. I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's happening. And this vehicle comes from someone who's very influential in the automotive scene. Extremely influential. You won't believe it. Yes, Blink Charging is here. More EV projects? Absolutely. And you know what's really cool? Oh, guys, guys, this is great. This is which reminds me. So next week, I'm going to talk about this great initiative known as Electrify SoCal, which is amazing. But for all of you in the United States or North America, better yet, if you have the need, which you should, have the need for a level two charger, the Blink HQ, beautiful, doesn't look like a weird toaster, it's actually a beautiful level two charger, is on sale in Amazon if you use this code BCMOTO30, so all caps BCMOTO30, you get 30% off it. How crazy is that? And a credit for using a nice credit, a very healthy credit for using their chargers commercially. So guys, take advantage of it. And even if you don't have the EV, do you know something crazy? For your home, it actually increases your property value. That when you rent it out or sell it, you have an EV charger in it. So it's pretty cool. Irene Nathaniel is asking, what cap programs do I use? I love Fusion 360. And the great thing about Fusion 360 is, not only is it very user-friendly and much more cost-effective than a very popular one out there, but I can, in the cloud, put up a design. AJ right here can grab it, take a look at it, make his modifications, say, BC, this is a better way of doing it, send it back to me, and I can see a sequence and say, hey, why don't we take this out and put this in and I send it back to him and he can look at it. It's just so great. So he could be in Germany and I could be here in Ontario and we can exchange information very easily without sending files. We can just go on a cloud and grab it and take a look and modify it. It's really great. It's, and they're constantly updating it. You even have the capability, yes, you even have the capability of doing FEA analysis. So I like it a lot, you know? Yo, John says, BC, build an Integra, please. Honestly, it's totally up to Acura. <laughs> so a lot of the cars I build here, the banner is right here. You guys can see it. Um, and the Hyundai that's back there. They're all OEM builds. And what's cool about the OEMs is that they allow us to, the benefit of building something new and, and old. So with the resources we get from the OEMs, we can build a crazy new project and then grab an old one and put some really interesting technology in that. So there are rumors about what's coming out from the Acura brand, which should really excite you, Integra lovers. So that being said, when that happens, I promise you, I will build one. How's that sound? 
JDMJ says, hey, BC, no surprise, but he's been trying to get a hold of me in the past few weeks. <laughs> I'm in the finishing stages of my build. I need a three-inch V-band downpipe and exhaust. How can you fabricate the downpipe and exhaust? Well, I need a car to be able to do that. And the way things are here at the facility, because even Eric back right there from Action just dropped up his car, and Edgar just dropped up his car as well, and I have another bus coming tomorrow, I will have to put you in the queue to get to it. So if it's something you need immediately, I may not be able to get to that very quickly. But nonetheless, I do need a vehicle to be able to do a downpipe. I can't, we cannot guess on a downpipe and where things should go, you know? How much do you charge for a base map? Well, depending on the system, but most base maps go anywhere from $100 to $150 for a base map. And base maps are meant for you to get to a tune, check leaks, make sure everything is fine, not for spirited driving and not for racing. What do you think about K-Pro versus the AME CSS OEM works? That's a very good question. I think they're both very good systems. The K-Pro is very interesting because it's an elegant hack into the factory ECU. And it's nice because OEMs put hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of man hours into designing and developing their ECU. So you get this great startability, which is fantastic, as you see with OEMs. You get all the great features. K-Pro also mimics what the factory does, where it combines maps for different cam angles. So you have the 0, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 cam angle maps. You can tune each other for VTEC on, VTEC off individually, for fuel and ignition individually, and combine them and get this beautiful smooth map. The AEM, on the other hand, is a full standalone. So yes, it may not start the car just like that. You just start it up, but it looks for cam signal, crank signal, and the sync between the two, and then starts the car, which is great. But I can do a ton of fail safes. I can increase dwell to get more out of the coils. I can do very clever things like amazing control of boost based upon O2 content, based upon flex fuel content, based upon air temp, based upon gear, based upon speed. I can build my own unique knock floor. So I can build a knock floor based upon each cylinder. So if cylinder three is happier with a certain knock level, I can do that. If something goes awry, it can attack each cylinder individually and add fuel and retard timing if it goes awry. I can do amazing things with that. I can also control drive-by-wire very easily and program individual drive-by-wire. I can put on my K-series, I can put a Hyundai drive-by-wire drive and control it. So in a nutshell, what does that mean? K-Pro is for someone who's comfortable with, let's say the Novus Tuner is comfortable just doing something very straightforward and easy and doesn't mind tuning multiple maps because it takes much longer to optimize a K-Pro map. AEM is a proper motorsports ECU at a sportsman price, which I like a lot. So I tune both, I like both, and they both have advantages. Nothing wrong being a 30-year intern, sir. How much for a tune on my 1990 Civic Wagon? So the average tune is two to three hours, and we charge 220 per hour. Oh, sounds good. JDMJ, just call in up front, have Lindsay book you accordingly, and we can probably make something happen, you know? BC, remember that question I DM'd you yesterday about schooling and training? So, Maschine, we're 42, I get so many, please remind me. And hopefully I can address that here, indeed. I sent you a DM about a 1990 Civic Wagon, says Lil SXMP. I'll try and get to it. You know what's crazy? I get hundreds, guys, not tens or dozens, hundreds of DMs a day. So I try to get to all of them. Some are spam and rubbish, some are ladies misbehaving, which I could just delete. But... I try my best to get to all of them. So hang tight, hang in there, I, I, I promise. While I'm relaxing, which is rare, or I take some time and break for myself, I try and get to all of them. So I will get to you, sir. 
AM versus Haotech versus Motech. So I need you to be more specific because with AM, I, I assume you're talking about the infinity. With the Haotech, it could be a platinum or it could be the elite. With Motech, there's a whole gamut. So you can narrow that down a little bit to me. I can probably help. If you want a 30,000 foot level, my opinion on them, um, AM and Haotech I like very much. They're very good. Um, Haotech, they're a bit overseas. They're based in Australia. So when I need some assistance with tech, it may be a bit of a challenge. Um, and the local guys, they're okay. But AM, everything is here in the US, in Hawthorne, California. So it's very easy to get to them. One thing also about AM is that if I give feedback on something that needs to improve, they put in the next revision, which is great. Motec, as many people know, is a pretty penny. Very good motorsport setup. Um, I like the fact with Motec, you can write your own CAN language as well and do your own firmware. So if you have a very unique system, let's say in a 9th Gen Civic or in a George Viper, you can do your own coding to be able to utilize those buttons like factory does or assign them something yourself. While AEM has more of a closed system when it comes to coding, so you don't have the capability of drawing, doing your own DBC files or CAN protocols or firmware. So that is a blessing and also a curse. A blessing because people can't just mess things up very easily. A curse because there's sometimes that you may want to keep things same as factory even in your race car. And, uh, or Dash, and you want everything to work like factory, like uh, you did from the OEMs. And that's a bit of a challenge if you do that with AEM. But with their Dash, it's so pretty. I put the Dash in everything, which is pretty nice indeed, you know? So I hope that helps in like a 30,000 square foot. But they all do a good job in being able to manage. And it's really what is ideal in the hands of the tuner. They all have advantages. Um, the one thing I like about the AEM and the Haltech is that they both have all the functionality open. With Motec, if you want extra O2 sensing, you have to purchase that to get unlocked. If you want individual knock cylinder sensing, you have to do that and purchase that as well. If you want to be able to do some CAN things, you have to open that. If you want drive-by-wire, you have to pay for options. So the AM and, and Haltech come already opened up completely for you to use. Link is good too. I like Link. Um, I haven't had the opportunity or honor of tuning Link, but I've had the opportunity to meet with the guys at major auto shows and also look at, download the software and explore it. It's very, very good in terms of functionality. And some of the links allow you to control direct injection, which is pretty cool. I like that, you know? If you had a 2.0T Accord, would you use K-Tuner or Flash Pro? I'll use either one. Um, I like the K-Tuner because um, it's pretty cost-effective and has many benefits. Um, I like the Flash Pro because it has a very nice user-friendly interface. Um, I, would, I would be okay with either one, you know? CT Designs asking, with the AM Infinity, do I need any extra sensors for any type of fail-safe for fuel pressure or oil, or can you just use that within the ECU? So yes, what you typically have to do is, at your fuel rail or your fuel pressure regulator, or any sources ideal for fuel pressure, you have in like a 100 PSI stainless steel sensor from AEM. On the oil system, um, I usually tee off the dummy switch that goes on all the, like in your case, the S2000. And I wire that to the infinity. That way the infinity can see the 05 signal of what your pressure is. And yes, you can build in fail safes so that if your oil pressure fall, falls below a certain threshold, it puts the car at idle. Not shut it off, but it puts it idle so you can get to somewhere safely. Same thing with fuel pressure. I can do the same thing with AFRs. It's a very usable, very user-friendly system. So yes, you need those two sensors indeed. What do you think about EGT sensors, says Rod Motorsport? Um, in my intent, for my purposes, I was a huge advocate of, of, of that until I started playing around getting very serious with my drag car. 
And I found individual cylinder O2s as a lot better method of me being able to equalize my cylinders. So the EGTs are very interesting because you can use temperatures to be able to tell, but AFRs can play very interesting tricks on you. You can see a certain temperature gradient, and it could be that it's going too rich, or it could be too lean. It's very difficult. But the AFRs, especially now, AM has these weird standoff bungs that just put the tip so you don't hurt flow, which is very important on motor especially. Can hurt turbo, but on motor, very, very critical, where you can just sense it. And I've seen ridiculous power gains with individual cylinder tuning. Um, and I may even have upstairs one four-channel system I'm not using. I can just let go for really cheap. I may have one upstairs. So if you want one, let me know. I'll send it to you. I don't think I have any sensors or the harness, but I have the module itself, and I'll be able to help you out. But it's amazing. So I prefer individual cylinder O2 sensing opposed to AGTs in this day and age. I learned from you by my dad because you tuned his S2000, says Lil SXMP. It's a pleasure. Tell dad I said hi, indeed. Yes, automotive autonomy. Ladies are misbehaving. Yes, so that's the weird thing about social networking. Um, you know, I am married, uh, but despite that, I get all these crazy DMs of ladies and photographs, and I, I, don't, wel I don't know what I've done. I don't welcome those photos, but they come. I just delete them. Um, so, yeah, I do get ladies misbehaving. This, this, today's environment is very interesting. Um, ladies are very bold nowadays, which is... Strange. But anyway, yeah, I get those and I don't care. So I get off the DMs, you get a bunch of ladies misbehaving, then you get a bunch of like just memes and people asking for like solicitation of stuff. And, but then I come across some good ones and I respond to them indeed, you know? Oh, <laughs> this man, yes, it's, it's really my phone because I'm using my reverse camera to do that. I'm so sorry. And it just matter who I love you guys so much. And Ladies Mantler is my go-to place whenever I need parts for my Porsches, like the Porsche 930 right here. They always have stuff in stock. It's amazing. Their inventory is just bananas. And nowadays, there's so many items that are no longer available, or NLA, they have them. So everything from dash pads to gauges to lug nuts to hubs to wires to clutch cables to ignition keys to ignition modules, they have everything. And they have a lot of stuff. Surprisingly for water-cooled engines, which is great, but some good air-cooled stuff, too. So I like you guys a lot. What gearbox would you recommend to pair a J32 for road drive conversion on a Del Sol? If you're on a budget, the Nissan 370Z, if you're on a budget. If resources are on your behalf, a Quaif sequential. Those are my two options. What is a good, cheap, big block LS motor? <laughs> my 1972 step size short bed. Um, big block, wow. I've been seeing a lot of LQs coming here, which is pretty, people picking up LQ motors for $900, $800. They're not big blocks, but they're decent displacement. And with a little turbocharging and so on and so forth, it's easy to make six, seven hundred horsepower with those. So that would be a pretty cost-effective one, if you don't mind. That would be pretty cool in your step size. I like step size, they're really cool. I will take a look indeed, Omringer, by all means. Turbo Boost for Life, says Captain Alexander. I appreciate your enthusiasm. Oh my God, poor beast again bombarded with photos when he has a wife, I do, I do, it's pretty crazy. Whoa, my God, do you think you ever take a, 
the Porsche to Colorado, as in Pikes Peak or just to Colorado to hang out? I assume it's Pikes Peak, but if so, yes, I would like to do that. What's your favorite car that isn't a Porsche and why? Let's see. That isn't a Porsche. You know what? I mentioned this earlier on with the manufacturer, but I really do like the Acura NSX. We drove that before. AJ and I, we, he, he's like, wow, this thing's pretty quick. Yeah, he said scary even. So, why do I like it? It has the technology that is typically reserved for seven-figure cars in a car that's in the low 100s, mid to low 100s. So that being said, for 150,000, you can have technology that you can see in a seven-figure Porsche 918 Spider. You can see that what you may see in a P1, in an Enzo. You have these cars that are these hybrids with this PERS-based technology, and you have that with an Acura, which is absolutely amazing, right? So that being said, I really like, I mean, the interior may leave a little bit to be desired because it's not as rich as I would like to see. But to be honest with you guys, it's an amazing vehicle. And it's a shame that it's not as popular as it could be. It's an amazing vehicle indeed. It's just great. So um, I like the Acura NSX, the NC1 second gen. It's amazing. Sorry about the light, guys. They're pulling out the Civic and it just flashed all of you. I'm so sorry about that. George says, George Scriaris, I just stumbled onto your wonderfulness. Keep it up, buddy. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate the support indeed. Thank you very much. How do electric vehicles do at altitude? Great question, Real. It doesn't care. Period. So let's think about the internal combustion engine versus the electric motor. Internal combustion engine ingests air. I'm going to make this very basic. That air contains about 21% of oxygen, okay, at sea level. As you go up in elevation, the molecules of air tend to become further and further apart from each other. So for every pumping or every ingestion of air by your engine in elevation, it gives less and less oxygen. And the oxygen is very critical for combustion and allows you to make power. So as you drive up hills, you know how your car gets slower and slower? Sucks, right? Well, with electric motors, it could care less about air being ingested. It's pretty much these clever electrons that are just moving around, going from the battery to the motor, and getting pushed back into the battery when you regen. So if you have the opportunity to run really quick here at sea level, when you go to elevation, when you go to Colorado, when you go to Pikes Peak, when you go to Mount Kilimanjaro, it's the same acceleration. Doesn't care. Another advantage of electric motors, which is pretty cool. Or electric vehicles, I should say. Hello, Porsche 911. Good seeing you. What would you pick to build a drag car with the lowest budget with a 12-second goal? It's a tough one. Honda? Yeah, he's like a budget car. Budget, though. 12-second budget. Is, um, is a C7 considered a budget car? Because <laughs> you can get a stock C7 and just, yeah, you can do 12s. Or you can say, oh, I'm going to buy a S2000 and put a turbo kit, but by the time you do all that, you're now in C7 territory. It depends. There are a lot of stock cars that can do it cost-effectively. K-series, 90s, But that adds up. 
So my good friend um, AJ mentioned the K-Series in a 90s Honda old school, let's say in EF. But by the time you EF, get the motor, ECU, harness, it may not be so bad now I think about it. I think, I think he has a point. So you now have the advantage of a lightweight automobile with a K24A, some headers, intake, ECU, transmission, passport mounts, you run 12s. It's I should have AJ here more often, guys. So he makes a good point. Um, a lightweight vehicle with a K24 would do that. What's the discount code for the EV charges again? Says real for red for you. It is BC Moto 30. So B I S I M O T O 30 on Amazon. Just do a search for Blink HQ and you'll see it. It gives you 30% off. I'm telling you, it's, it's worth it. It is so worth it. And you have this beautiful level 2 charger that can charge all electric vehicles from Teslas to Leafs to even our conversion projects to you name it to Jaguars to Porsches, you name it. And even if you don't have an EV yet, real red for you. It does, it does increase property value. Um, I've seen houses on the market where the people rent out and they put in that they have a level two charger, and boom, they can charge a little bit more. So it will pay for itself. And then you get this little cool discount code with you as well. It's pretty nice, it's nice, you know? Can't the C5 Corvette get pretty close to 12 with a very hot can and intake exhaust work? C5s are cheap. Yeah, I think that's possible too. Yeah, you could, you could do that. I agree, I agree. Um, MR2, he says, says him in op. That would be a pretty, see, even AJ, it's an expensive quad. Turbo K20, yes, sir, you can do that. That Rolls Royce from the UK has pushed register. Absolutely, Norman, that's it. It's a 1974 Silver Shadow. It's chilling here. Budget 5.3 LS with Chinese turbos in the chassis of your choice, says Craft and Motion. Oh, by the way, Craft and Motion, it looks like we're going to get a, a Honda from Honda on Monday. So I would love to be able to pull you away from your slight. How should I say? Holiday. <laughs> Your slight holiday, just for a day. It would be very good. Because you and I have some good things to do, you know? Wasted Spark versus CDI and when to go CDI. Um, whenever I can, I get rid of Wasted Spark. Because the name implies it's Wasted Spark. It takes, for high performance stuff, it takes time to be able to recharge the coil and dissipate energy very nicely. And Wasted Spark may allow the opportunity to make things a little more cost effective for OEMs. It may allow you to have a batch system and do things very easily, but there's nothing like a sequential individual coil and plug setup that has great spark energy. You can pick up power in a wasted spark setup by going individual sequential coils. So whenever I have a performance opportunity, even if I'm trying to go for vast economy, yes, for hyper economy, when you combust better, you get better gas mileage. As AJ is practicing his golf swing, which is pretty cool. So that being said, yeah, I, I do it whenever I have a chance, whenever I can, indeed. Thank you so much, guys. Appreciate that, indeed. We have a big bear rental house that we want to put a charger in. Oh, that's perfect. You should, you should. So on Amazon, by all means, go there. You can have, you know. Say hello from all your guys behind. Shout hello from my... Hey guys, um, the guys here want you guys to shout hello at the same time. Hi. Hi. See, they did it. They're nice chaps. They're nice. Uh oh.
<laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, so let's see. It's a runway. <laughs> Rob Motorsports here. Regards from Panama. Good seeing you. Rides and coffee, Panama. Thank you for joining. Great day seeing you as well, DJ Ramarov. Humble performance is the best. I love it. Great. That's good. What do you think about LS3 with PDK and Classic 911? Says Porsche 911. Um, I think it can be done. The PDK with a little massaging could probably handle the torque from the LS3. It'd be very different. Purists would be pissed at you. But I don't think many companies can do it. We probably could, but with all we have going on here, I don't think I'll be able to get to it in any reasonable timeline. So, but um, it can be done. I think it's good. What I'm doing now with Classic 911s, however, I'm electrifying them. So even this one right here next to me is going electric. It's an opportunity where it's really straightforward, very clean, and would destroy that <laughs> LS3 setup. It would just be super fast. The torque is just amazing. So I love them indeed, you know? Have a good day as well, R35R13. Good seeing you. Hello, wagon guy. Praveen is just laughing so much. I saw some carbon rims you're working on, says Electric Classic Minis. Well, that is the combination that we have with our friends from Carbon Revolution. So they manufacture the carbon wheels, Australia-based company. Uh, Brett Gass is the founder and owner, a very great guy. And I use them quite a few of my race cars. And these carbon fiber wheels, we've even done them on, on, on certain EV projects, or better yet, hybrid projects. And it does amazing things for reduction of rolling resistance. I mean, oh, rolling mass, I should say. Not rolling resistance, that's more the tires. But it does wonderful things for reducing that unsprung weight, which is fantastic. Above and beyond that, they are the original equipment manufacturer for Ford with the Ford GT and the GT350. They also do some stuff for Ferrari. They're great guys. So um, there are a lot of things that we do that we can't talk about, but it's a great company. I love them very much. I need your knowledge, says Machine Guajara42. Where did I get it? Right here, sir. I'm here to help. I'm here to share as much as I can um, because I'm just an advocate of technology. I, th I feel technology should be fun. You can expect from me in the next few months to do something I call, I refer to as edutainment, where you know, I see these YouTubers who do very exciting things that are very entertaining, but lack complete education. Then I see my peer engineers, yeah, engineers like you know, AJ and I, who we just do things that are very educational, but really kind of boring. So what can we do to bring the two together? That's my goal for the next few months, to do things that are exciting, educational, and just really fun. So you can expect to see that on our channel. More reason why you should subscribe to the BC Motor YouTube channel. AJ, what's your channel? Relentless Racing. Relentless Racing is another good one as well. This guy is, he scares me because he's so meticulous. He takes things apart and clean things and he has all the great videos how to do and it's frightening in a good way, but he's a good guy. Okay, so, um, hello Danny GSR, good seeing you. Jacob's asking where we're located. We're located in the center of the universe. Well, Ontario, California. It's actually quite warm here today. But we're in Ontario, California. What's a good turbo for driving? Daily driving, says uh, Joseph Cannon. Well, I have a, I'm torn. I'm really partial to both Turbonetics and Precision. Those are my two brands. And I love Turbonetics a lot, particularly because they work together with the US government. And they do a smashing job working with them. So if they're good enough for the US military, good enough for me. Are you going to do a Jay Leno garage with the 935 as Porsche register? You know, it's so weird you said that because the week that California shut down, that Thursday was a date that we scheduled to have him drive it. And I was really nervous because he's a crazy driver in a good way. And this is probably the most craziest car I've ever had, driven ever. It's just scary. But yeah, 
So as things start to loosen up and get better, UPBCJ, explore the K3V. Have you ever looked into the wacky stuff, says Corvolt, involving zero EV motorcycle drivetrains, very light classic cars, 140 torque, no Fiat 500? No, I have not. Um, what we have done is use some of the neck gang stuff, um, which I know is a little bit older, but still okay. But, you know, I'm a performance guy. I'd rather have 295 kilowatts and turn it down than to deal with something that only has 140 torque there, which is still decent. But, um, yeah, I have not. But I'll look into it. Motley Crue you got working over there, says Fox Design. Yes, yeah, sir. They're, they're the guys from Action Clutch, great guys. Um, the co-founder is here, or co-owner, I should say, here. Uh, his name is Eric Noches. Um, Alec, the guy I've been working with years, he's back in the office. I'm trying to get AJ. So you guys, give me a thumbs up or heart if you'd like to see AJ on some Action Clutch. He needs some clutch action. Yeah, so I, I spoke to Alex, but I haven't spoken to Eric. So I need to talk to Eric about that and see what we can do get, get him going. Do you take in customers for electric conversions? Yes, we do. But that queue is getting quite long, Frankie S14. So we have right now, in the event that you want to do something, we have seven cars ahead of you. So that's pretty crazy, right? So yes, we are more than happy to do it for you, but the queue is getting longer and longer every week. So we'll get to you, no problem whatsoever. Do you know what could be the cause of RPMs dropping to 500 RPM when the clutch is depressed, specifically sitting at a stoplight, the car's Integra? There are so many reasons that can cause that. So many things, it's so sad. So many things. So let's start with the worst. <laughs> Your thrust washers could be just done, toast. Um, that comes usually when people have very heavy pressure plates or pressure plates where you should have a limiter and you don't. With your clutch pedal, and you push all the way down, and you start attacking and destroying your... It's like a glorified bearing that exists and keeps the crank sitting in the right position. So when that goes away, it can happen, because now you're seeing a lot of friction between the crank surface and your cap, which is a problem. That's one. Let's go to the other side where it may not be so bad. You can really have a poor or worn out throw bearing. If your throw bearing starts seizing, it can put undue stress or drag on the pressure plate. So when it's turning and you push on the clutch, it just tries to hold it down and it pulls your RPMs down. So you went from worse thrust washers to the easiest, hopefully, just something as simple as your throw bearing. Those are two major causes for that. Thoughts on the K20, K24 head? Depends which K24. If you grab the K24 out of the Element or the CRV, that'd be going the wrong way, wouldn't it? But if you use a TSX head, those are pretty nice. So I'm not opposed to that. People typically do the opposite. Where they have like a K20 from the RSX, the Type S head on a K24 bottom end that they may source from an Element. But if you have the right head, it shouldn't be a challenge. I like K24A heads, they're pretty nice. I love my BC Motor shirt, says Veloster Racing N. Thanks again, BC. Any plans for open house in the near future? Yes, as we've been getting demands for that quite a bit. And as soon as this thing kind of lets up, I would definitely make that happen, you know? Electric Crisis Mini, what's going on with the Caterham 2? Being worked on, sir. You got Tuning Garage. When we're done, I'm going to do tons of videos and tons of driving impressions. And maybe we can get you to ship your car down here and we can help you with something very similar. I like your shirt. Can you provide me where to find it? Yes, you can on the BCMore web store. So if you go in there now, I think I still have a few left. So grab them. They are quite popular. Thank you so much, Chris Comedy. I appreciate the kind words. Do you know of any motors I can swap into my EK behind B, H, K, J? Yes. F-Series. 
as in F22A, as in my most favorite engine. Engine that people tend to dispose of and throw away came in like the earlier 90s Accords. One thing is the most underrated motor that people have seen in the Honda scene. And I love them because one, they're cost effective. Secondly, the factory ports flow more, and you might, mind you, airflow, head flow is the key element for power potential in an engine. Those heads factory flow more than many ported B series. The reason why they don't make a ton of power, they make only about 130, 140 horsepower from factory because their static compression is only 8.8 .8 to one, very low, and the cams are so puny from factory. You put a decent cam and put some compression, boom, wakes that thing up. It's an amazing engine. You can easily make 200 wheel with eyes closed. Well, not literally, but figuratively. But nonetheless, it's a great engine. And I, for one, years ago was able to get 430 wheel horsepower natural aspirated. So it made me very popular in drag racing scenes, breaking tons of records that continue to hold on to today. So that's something that is different and something that can actually put you on the map. It's a very cost-effective setup and very different and can make tons of power. So lots, lots of potential. Have you ever heard of the squads from Long Beach, California? No, I have not, the real OJ. I have not heard that. Um, hello, Hedy. Thanks for joining. I was just, we were just talking about you earlier on because I was telling these people about all these silly photos I keep getting in Instagram with ladies being naughty and misbehaving. Anyway, incredible. So does he know Hedy Motors is my wife? Um, let's see here. My pleasure indeed, Sandy Toes. Oh my, so many good questions. Um, are you doing or a part of any more Netflix shows about cars? Says Montel J27. So I, let's see, what can I say? Um, we did Fastest Call. We did um, the, oh, what's, what's, I just talked about it earlier on today. Um, we went to Kodak Center and it was like a crazy, um, Fast and Furious meets American Ninja Warrior kind of thing. Hyperdrive, there you go, did Hyperdrive. I'm doing another show, did another show, we just finished shooting with the Discovery Channel. And it's not Netflix, but Discovery. And it talks about some really cool characters in automotive culture, which is pretty crazy. And talk about some good technology, and I don't give too much away, but it's really interesting. Think of it as, um, how can I say? Think of it as, oh, what's a good, I'm trying to think of a good example of how I can merge this. Think of it as snapped <laughs> meets um, Bill Nye, the science guy. <laughs> it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. That's the best thing I can say. But it's really entertaining. It talks about car culture and people who got in trouble doing crazy stuff with cars. But it's, it's really lots of fun indeed, you know? So exciting says 169, Johnny. Good seeing indeed. Um, how do we determine the size starter body is needed to complement a head without overthrowing the body in a setup? Oh, that's a good question, and one I should add on. Very, very good question, because I just did a test later on today. So I'm going to share with you my procedure. Initially, you don't know. You can guess, but you want to err on the side of starting with something smaller. So let's say you have a 2.0 system, liter car, and you put like a 68 millimeter throttle body, single throttle body. You know the intake plenum that you have on your car? That is the atmosphere that supplies your engine. So. If your engine within the normal operating range or RPM range demands more air than the intake manifold can provide, a vacuum starts forming inside your intake manifold. So what I do is I put a, a sensor on my dyno or map sensor or some kind of device that allows me to look at it and log it. 
and I do a full sweep at full power during a tuning session or whatever the case may be. If in the natural aspirator setup, I see that I'm pulling anything more than 0.1 inches of mercury, I am definitely creating a lot of vacuum and need to reduce that resistance to some extent to make more power. So ideally, you want to go up in throttle body size to a point whereby you have no vacuum, especially in high RPMs. In a perfect world, you want to be in positive, but with atmospheric pressure, of course, being at zero would be ideal. I've seen cars come in where they picked up 10, 20, 30 horsepower by just going to a larger, less restricted throttle body and or intake system. So it makes a big difference. Monitoring, and a lot of dyno pieces don't do this, but monitoring your intake manifold can go a long way in allowing you the opportunity to improve. I hope that helps. Well, guys, oh my God, time, it's almost one, I'm an hour. Wow, what a, this was crazy. Anyway, guys, it was a slice of heaven. Um, Sony's asking if we have any more power plants, products, and processor, and yes, tuning. Um, we have some things with intakes coming out. We have things with, uh, I'm partnering with CSF for the intercoolers that's coming at any moment now. I've been doing a lot of rapid prototyping to optimize that, so yes. But guys, thank you so much for joining me here on Tech Tuesday. I'm gonna put this up here on Instagram to stay on indefinitely. I also will have the opportunity to have an edited version up on here on YouTube so that people can view that whenever they feel like. And also, for those of you who have podcasts at leisure, you can, whether you're walking your dog, using the loo, <laughs> exercising, uh, not at work, but doing a break at work, you can actually listen to it on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. See, it's beeping, tell me to get off, you know, it's crazy. So. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. Stay safe, and I'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. Cheers. Bye-bye.